Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Bhutang tamang sankang namasami So on this occasion, the weekend of Visakha Puja, we, we already celebrated on the 26th of May, the full moon, Visakha Puja Day. And in the Western world very much, we also have another celebration, which is today on a Sunday, when people are free to free from their work and duties to come to the monastery. And this is the COVID pandemic period where there are limited numbers coming due to lockdowns and quarantines and so forth. So this is an opportunity to reflect again on this special day. It's become an international day and uh, is greatly appreciated and recognized uh, the Buddhist message has resonated for over 2,564 years to this very present moment that we can reflect on it and express our appreciation and joy at having discovered this marvelous teaching. So the official interpretation of Vaisakha Puja is springtime, a celebration of the life of Gautama the Buddha, and his life is born, enlightened, and passed away. So these three events, two of those events are available to any of us, birth and death. So all of us gathered here the result of being born is like this. You have a form, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body. You have a mind that thinks. You feel pleasure, pain, heat and cold, hunger and fatigue and so forth through this form. And this is, you know, the, the time of the Buddha, Gotama the Buddha, his form was the same as ours, human form, with the same possibilities and same karmic conditions. So the law of karma is about birth and death. What is born must die. What begins must end. And so the teaching of the Buddha at, at, in his life in India 2,500 years ago was one of of deathlessness, the deathless reality that we're all experiencing at this time, but may not notice it. We're so connected, so conditioned, 
so believing in the that the condition that we experience through birth through these human forms is really what I am. I'm a, a totally separate, independent human form in the vast universe, in the society that I'm living in, in the monastery at Amaravati. I'm a separate form living separately from uh, the rest of you. And these, these are the realities of forms. They are separate. They appear separate. What you see always creates a very much this illusion of separation. Because right now I look at you and you look very separate from me. If I am the sole uh, owner of sight, and that's all, you know, these eyes that can see objects. Uh, and there's a beautiful spring day here at Amravati. Then I'm also a victim of that, that condition because it's changing. Sight is uh, having eyes that see, you know, they, when you're young, they're, they're strong and clear and healthy, and as you get older, they start creating problems. So eyes are very impermanent, very conditioned, dependent on light, at nighttime, in the dark, you can't see, but you can still feel and you can still smell and hear and taste, touch and think. But so much of, of us are very conditioned to, to see the world through our eyes. The real world is what we see. So, you know, the real world is the trees, the, the flowers, the, the buildings, uh, the, the sun and moon and stars are all these very much, very feel very separate because they're objects of eyes, eye consciousness, consciousness through seeing. And so then when one's vision begins to diminish with old age, you know, then it, you don't see so well and you have to wear glasses, and you have eye treatments and so forth. So this is, this is the result of just the aging process. What was born so many years ago is now very old. So the, the eyes are very old eyes, and they're like this. If I see this in a personal way, you know, personally, as a personality, as a conditioned, personality, I don't want, I want to have perfect vision forever. You know, I don't want to be an old man and, and, and have to depend so much on other people. And, you know, I'm quite, personality is quite independent. So the personality is created after birth. Personality is, is a condition that we strongly identify with, with our character tendencies, our likes or dislikes, preferences, desires, or wishes, fears, greed and anger, and all these feelings, emotions, 
this is a feeling realm that we're experiencing through form. Forms are all about feeling. So, you know, feeling is, 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 can be pleasurable, can be painful, can be neutral. Through the senses, on all the sense levels of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. So these conditions are what the Buddha was pointing at when he, in this Visakha Puja reflection, the birth is, is the past, it's a memory, even though none of us remember, probably remember being born, but it seems obvious, you know, logical, using reason that these forms were born, parents, my mother told me I was born, and I never doubted that. And the proof is that I have to live with this aging form till it dies, and it will die in the future. So death is the future right now at this moment. <clears throat> you know, right now while we're, you're listening to me reflecting on Dhamma, the past birth is a memory, what you've been told, your, all your memories of the past, even yesterday is the past, even this morning is the past. The future, anything's possible, you imagine, if you're still healthy enough. And, but we know death is definitely in the future, at this moment, as these forms experience conscious awareness, as they are aware at this moment. The timeless reality of here and now, we don't notice that because the personality is based on past memories, on habits, on conditioning. You know, so we all have different personalities and from different cultural backgrounds, different generations, different genders. So that the, these differences are all about conditioned phenomena. They're the earth, fire, water, and air elements. They, they're the forms that we identify with and they're all ephemeral, changing, unstable. So if you wonder why you suffer, if you have, can't figure out why you suffer, it's because you identify with suffering itself. You attach to the forms which are unstable, uncertain, dependent on space. So space, you know, there'd be no room for forms if there was, wasn't any space. So these are, space is very obvious, you know, as we just witness it through seeing. In the, in the temple here, we think the space is in, in the Amaravati Buddhist temple. But then, you know, as we expand, we see that the temple is in space. Space doesn't have limits, has no qualities of beautiful or ugly or good or bad. It accepts whatever enters space, whatever earth, fire, water, air forms enter, whether they're devils or angels, men or women, Buddhists, Christians, atheists. The space doesn't object or make judgments, doesn't really care because it's here and now. 
and it is immeasurable. You can't measure space. You can measure temples. When we built the Amarbachi Temple, we had to take measurements. So the architect and the engineers could, could build this, this structure in space. Then there's consciousness. Without consciousness, there'd be no space and no forms. So we have vijnana, consciousness, akasa, akasa, space, these are Pali words, earth, fire, water, and air. And the human suffering is all traced to the identification with the unstable forms that can't ever be stable. You know, to demand eternal life in a human form is, is a totally absurd demand or wish. Because it is impossible. The forms that were born, they grow up, grow old and die. And that's the way it is in terms of karma, law of karma, what begins must end. Whether you extend your, the lifespan of your body to 120 years or not, it's, a, you know, it's possible to live beyond just the average life expectancy for men and women at this time. But uh, it's still going to die. And death is the disappearance of the form. So this is why we, we reflect on the instability of forms. The coming and going, the changing conditions, the aging process, the old age, sickness, death of human forms, of all forms. The animals, they are born grow old and die. So this is like planets and stars are forms in space, space in consciousness. But what is our real refuge then that the Buddha was pointing to in his teachings was the Dhamma or consciousness. So consciousness is, makes everything possible, or dhamma. So you have skillful dhammas, unskillful dhammas. So the dhammas, you know, are still forms in consciousness. You know, so it's not like, like that they're that good and bad are something totally separate from Dhamma, from, from uh, the Amata Dhamma, the deathless reality of here and now. It's just that this, the cause of suffering is this attachment, clinging to forms, wanting them to be something that they can never be, wanting to find permanent happiness as a Personality is a separate human being in a society, in a family, in a monastery. You know, so, you know, this is, these are desires that, that human beings create. 
through this ignorance, uh, uh, through attachment to the earth, fire, water, and air, which are ephemeral, changing, and unstable forms that arise and cease in space. So what Visakha Puja is about the birth, so we celebrate that, the birth of Gautama the Buddha, the Sakyamuni Buddha, the Dathakada, there are many titles, over 2,564 years, the, the, all forms of Buddhism has spread throughout the planet and taken on various uh, attitudes and teachings and interpretations. So that Buddhism itself is a form. So when we say we're Buddhists, we're, you know, we're still thinking that, you know, this person here has become a Buddhist. So people ask me when, when I became a Buddhist. And, you know, I could understand these are the, the social, cultural conditioning that we experience. But when you think of Buddha as a, to really celebrate Buddhism at this time on Visakha Puja, what we're really celebrating is the deathless reality of Dhamma, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. So we find ourselves living on a planet that is also unstable, as we, we're very much aware of through the media of this present time, where there's endless reports, the kind of rather scary reports of climate change and meteors in outer space and talking about space travel and going to Mars and other planets because, you know, the Earth might, we, we might change it to become an, become an unlivable space, a live unlivable form to survive on. So we, we keep thinking of looking beyond to other planets that, you know, in reality, they don't look very pleasant. Uh, you know, in spite of pollution and problems with the planet Earth, it still looks like the best place to be living. This is just a personal opinion. But the human mind is, is like that, it's a form. The thinking mind, the, the emotional habits we have that we still so strongly identify with. <clears throat> the, the thinking mind, you know, we, in modern civilization or modern society, we kind of praise reason and logic as the highest attainment for a human individual to think to use the thinking process reason with reason and logic. So it's logical, but reason and logic are conditions. You know, they're untrustworthy too. They're, they're very, uh, you know, admirable in themselves. We, we, we appreciate when people are reasonable, but we also experience emotions feelings that are not reasonable. 
or logical. They, they arise, just a, a, a look, a glance from somebody can, can uh, an emotion in, in us can arise of pleasure or anger or doubt or worry. Just the news of the day, the, when you listen to the radio and hear the, the news about the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, you know, it creates a sense of dread or hope, hoping that it'll end or fearing that it will go on and on. We don't know, is it? We don't know. Right now, the COVID pandemic is a word that we all recognize. It's a modern invention. And so it, and we all hear the news about deaths of people dying uh, of this disease. It's contagious and we all want vaccinations, or most of us do. And so we want to prevent this sickness that, cause, that comes from this, this condition that is also impermanent. Old age, sickness, and death are, are, you know, part of the experience that these forms live through, through the, the lifespan of the particular forms involved. And so the Buddha pointed this out very clearly. It's so obvious when you, when you reflect on it. You know, this is, it's, it's so kind of utterly true. You can't deny it that, that once you're born, you just grow up, get old, and die. But it's kind of bleak, isn't it? It's logical, and, and you, you can understand it and accept it uh, on the intellectual level. We all know we're going to die, but we don't like to think about it or worry about it. You know, we like to think of good health, happiness in life, and personal fulfillment, and uh, meaningful life, a life that has meaning and purpose, that is, uh, we leave uh, happy memories behind us when, we, when these forms pass away. But death itself is, a, is, is something that, that we, you know, in polite society, you don't really want to talk about it. If you go to a birthday party and say, well, you know, because you're born, you're going to die, that, that would not be politically correct or socially acceptable. <laughs> but that's a truth, truism. It's a fact. But the opportunity we have that I've pointed out many times between these two points of beginning and ending, birth and death is enlightenment. And this is the whole thrust and essence, the heart, the soul of Buddha, Buddha's teaching, pointing to the reality of here and now. Dhamma, this word, as we use it in English and in the Thai context in Theravada Buddhism, is translated as ultimate reality can be translated as ultimate nature, 
nature, it can be translated as. But it's apparent here and now. So these, these definitions of Dhamma, in, in India, the word Dhamma has become more personal. You, you have personal Dhammas. So the word Dhamma has, has, has been changed in its meaning over centuries. But in this particular tradition, in Theravada Buddhism, it's, it's maintained its pristine meaning, which is the reality of here and now, apparent here and now, timeless. Santitiko, akaliko, ehipasiko, opanaiko, budgetangveti dapo inuhi. We chant this morning, evening. So apparent here and now means it's not something you don't have. You, you, you don't, you know, some kind of mystical force in the universe called Dhamma, some kind of ethereal refined state that, that you believe in as some kind of metaphysical theory or belief. It's not a metaphysical theory. It's apparent here and now. Consciousness is here and now. It's not something you look forward to in the future, becoming conscious. So we all know we're conscious. This is, this is a fact that you can take for granted at this time. Consciousness allows feeling, allows seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, allows the senses to operate through the limitations of those senses and the sense objects. Because the sense objects, what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch and feel is also impermanent. So things change, what we see changes and what we hear changes. Smell, taste, touch, thoughts, memories come and go. So the, the, the message of the Buddha, the challenge he gave to humanity on this special day was to wake up. Buddha actually is not personal. You know, we talk of Gautama the Buddha, the Shakyamuni Buddha, but Buddha means awakened. So this awakening, Buddha and Dhamma, it's Buddha that knows, knowing Dhamma. Consciousness is knowing. You know you're conscious. So Dhamma is apparent here and now, it's, it's a fact. It's not some mystical force, some ethereal state that you have to find through years of meditation. It's learning to awaken. So when we chant Bhutang Sarnangachami, you know, it, taking refuge in awakened, mindful attention here and now. So enlightenment, 
isn't about the forms. The forms never get, they can't be enlightened because their very nature is conditioned. But we think of enlightenment as some kind of personal attainment, something you, you, you get like a PhD or if you become a monk or a nun and you practice hard, you become enlightened. It's, a, it's an attain, personal attainment. But it's, it's not personal. It's, it's the reality of here and now, santitiko, akaliko, ehipasiko, means to come and see. We translate it as encouraging investigation. I mean, to come, wake up and see, not recognize. It's this simple reality of being here and now, of awareness which is knowing awareness is like this, rather than thinking that you're enlightened or uh, anyone is enlightened. And this is the simple truth that the sage Gautama Buddha realized in his enlightenment, the reality of here and now. And then his basic teaching, the Four Noble Truths, is a, is a direct pointing at Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehipasko, investigate. You know, this isn't, we don't ask to believe what the Buddha taught, but to investigate it. And this is what's so attractive about Buddha Dhamma at this time. Buddhism is, is generally regarded as it's, it's an investigation into experience, into conscious experience here and now. It's a direct knowing. So suffering is all about personalities, about forms, about bodies, about social positions, about all the conditioned phenomena, the planet Earth, what is the future, the pandemic, the old age, the changing political conditions, social conditions, climatic conditions. You know, you can't take refuge in the climate or the social position or, or you know, or relationships. Find the perfect mate, the partner that you live happily ever after with is, is you know, is a fairy tale. Not, you can't be permanently happy with finding the right person because each individual form is going to be different. It isn't going to be all that easy to, to accept that because the conceit, the self-view, tends to be, can be quite arrogant, thinking that because I feel this way, because I practice like this, because my experience in life is like this, that you should be the same. You know, that's ditimana, that's conceit. 
because on the condition level, the earth, fire, water, and air elements, they're all different. You know, they're not, per, you know, the earth element isn't a uniform that everybody wears. It's the same style and the same state as, as everybody else. So living in Sangha life, the third refuge, is is to wake to is using the situation to practice in the right way, supatipano ujupatipano, in the direct way. Using the life here, the feelings that come and go, the preferences, the likes, the dislikes, the jealousies, the fears that we still carry with us after we ordain in in monastic life in this form. You don't shed that when you become a monk or nun, but the point of it is, is to, you giving the encouragement to investigate it, how we feel towards each other, how we feel jealous or fear or intimidation, how we like some and we don't like others. Or we, you know, we kind of project saintliness and enlightened perceptions onto certain ones and see the others as hopeless cases. These are all thoughts, projections. You know, we create our own personal take on what I think an enlightened person is. I remember years ago in Watpah poem, uh, when the hippies movement, this was in the 70s or the late 60s, the hippie movement, they started, you know, hippies were coming to India, coming to Asia, and they would, some would come to Thailand, and some started coming to Watpah poem. So some of these world travelers, hippies as we called them at that time, would want to know whether Lumpur Cha was an arahant. <clears throat> and so, you know, at that time I didn't have the, that much wisdom to deal with that question. I just assumed he was. Because, you know, I never, I, I really trusted him personally as a personal trust and respect. And I didn't know what an arahant was anyway. I thought if anybody was, it must be him. But then over the years, you know, as you reflect on them, as your wisdom increases, as wisdom develops, you see that nobody, these forms can't become enlightened forms, the forms themselves are limited to old age, sickness, and death. But the Buddha wasn't pointing to his form as a, as a human form at that time, but to the reality of here and now, Santitiko Akaliko Dhamma. So waking up, when we think of the the defining the 
using the words wake up for the word Buddha or mindfulness, you know, it's, it's, it's the simple reality of, of seeing that you're not what you think and believe and identify with. Because you can't control them that much. You can't make yourself younger or only think good thoughts, or only have happy memories, and be happy and loving and kind and compassionate all the time, wherever you are, with whoever you're with. These are ideals, you know, beautiful ideals. But that's not going to happen, because the forms are conditioned. They're, they're subject, they're, they're, they're not really, uh, human, individual, separate selves. That's an illusion. What is unitive is the conscious awareness. The Buddha Dhamma Sangha, as, as we use these terms in this form, Space is unitive, isn't it? We like to build walls and fences and make, you know, we create maps with lines on them designating this is England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, North Ireland. We, we've created Northern Ireland as separate from Ireland. And so that's a human creation probably not made out of wisdom, but just out of necessity of the time, out of desire, out of ignorance. So we, you know, in the European Union that the British have exited themselves from, you know, is a reality of Switzerland, France, Germany, are they really, you know, separate countries except in our conditioned perception of them on a map, they're different colors. But in reality, they're all in the same space. They're all earth, fire, water, and air. And it's we that create the problems around boundaries and forms of what is mine and what is yours dividing everything into good and evil, right and wrong, good and uh, heaven and hell. It's the thinking process. Just to investigate, observe the thinking that you, that you do. You know, this is, a, this is a really important recommendation to be the observer of thought, not the owner of it. So that's Puto, Tammo Sankho, Buddha Dhamma Sangha, that's apparent here and now. When we try to figure it out intellectually, then you're gonna, going to be caught in doubt. You know, is it, does Ajahn Sumedho really know that? Or, you know, doubt about me or belief in me or projecting something onto to this form sitting here 
speaking like this, you can be aware of that. Not that you shouldn't do it, or should or shouldn't, but it is observable, witnessing. Bhutto is like a witness, awareness, mindfulness of the way it is here and now. It's like this. So it's a knowing, but it's not a judgmental knowing. It's not discriminating. It's a kind of pure knowing reality is enlightenment. So it's like this. As I've said before many times, it's not a judgment, is it? It's just a useful phrase to remind yourself to receive this moment as it is. What you're feeling physically, emotionally, what you're hearing, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching is like this. It's not about whether it's right or wrong, good or bad, true or false. So it's a sense of embracing the present, the reality of now, opening wide rather than trying to figure it out, you know, according to reason and logic or your particular interpretations of Buddha Dhamma or what others have told you about what is the real teaching of the Buddha. Because there's all kinds of teachings going under the name of Buddhism. So we get influenced by uh, other forms of Buddhism, by what others say, by various views about practice of meditation, about which is the real teaching of the Buddha, the true pure teaching, what isn't, what has been added after the uh, Nibbana of the Lord Buddha 2,564 years ago. We can get caught up in endless uh, quarrels, arguments, discussions on internet about what the Buddha really taught, who is enlightened and who isn't. But listen to it. Listen to the mind that thinks. This thinking process is a condition. You know, we can't help but think because it's that's the human form is a thinking form which can be a curse because we can drive ourselves crazy with our thoughts. We can go into deep depressions and fears, create spirits and ghosts in, in any place that you want to project or imagine that possibility. Imagination is endless. It can be fantastic. It can be practical. It can be realistic forms or phantasmagoria, abstract, sensible, beautiful, ugly. The formless, space doesn't have any form. So space accepts everything. Space is like this. It doesn't, it's not about right or wrong space. 
spaces like this. And these forms couldn't possibly manifest if there was no space. So space is condition sine qua non. It's necessary for forms to manifest. But can you take refuge in space or in conscious awareness of space? You know, this is a question to ask yourself. Can, can I take refuge in a form? Can I, you know, is that every time I've sought forms for my refuge, it's been some kind of dis disillusionment, disappointment. Seeking the perfect monastery the perfect teacher, where the perfect teacher is already apparent here and now. It's, it's our ability to wake, wake up to the reality of here and now, it's like this. And whatever this kind of teaching, how do you re respond to it, react to it, is observable. Because the thinking mind can make it into a problem. What does he mean, wake up here and now? And we think, I am awake here and now. I'm sitting here. And uh, I don't see any Dhamma. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I just get confused when I hear Ajahn Sumedho go on like this. You know, I just feel very confused because, you know, I can't figure it out. I'm awake. But awake with wisdom, not ignorance. So on a personal level, you might know your, your body, your, your consciousness, you know, experiencing conscious reality through the form, which you regard as yours, as you. So you think you are awake because you identify being awake in a form. But consciousness is formless. It has no dimension. And awaken to Dhamma, Buddha, Dhamma, that's, those two words are very important. Awaken to reality. Don't wait till next year or next lifetime because that's another false identity, another delusion that you create. But trust in this, this refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, here and now, is my plea, my request. So if what I say is confusing, confusion is the condition that arises. You can be, you know, if you find this kind of teaching, this kind of reflection confusing, don't try to figure it out, just observe confusion. Not understanding, being confused, doubtful, is like this. It's as simple as that, it's not trying to get rid of confusion, 
or doubt. But confusion and doubt arise in life, in the, when we think about life, when we want to know the future, you know, it's all very confusing about the future. We want to know we're right, whether you're practicing rightly or wrongly, or uh, have you attained something? Have you, do you have enough samadhi or concentration? Are you, you know, have you developed enough to, to be wise? You know, these are all thoughts, creations about oneself. As a practitioner, as a monk or nun, as a samana, as a lay person, we identify with these roles very strongly. But they are conditions like everything else. Awakened awareness is not a condition. So that's the stability of awareness. The death, we call it the deathless. The Amata Dhamma, the Amaravati. So today, I encourage you to reflect on what has been said and consider the opportunity that is available here at Amaravati to have this encouragement. Because you, you certainly won't get much encouragement in lay life. So these are special conditions. You, you commit yourself to these particular traditional forms as something praiseworthy in itself. But also, the forms can be deluding if we just attach to the forms and try to find enlightenment through the forms. It's this continuous reflective awareness using the way one is you know, not trying to be like somebody else. Not trying to become like somebody else. But the way you are as an individual with your personality, your physical form, the way it is here and now is like this. It's a, it's a kind of embracing things as they are without judgment. So this is liberation from birth and death. So enlightenment is the liberation from the birth and death. So this is what we really celebrate on this auspicious day. And uh, I offer this as a reflection. <clears throat>